Hello, and welcome to show number 2326 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. I'm curious what the reaction is of the customers when the piano tuner shows up and they're blind. Do you tell people ahead of time? Actually, no, I don't. <laughs> that has to be a little bit of a surprise, but as we'll learn, piano tuners can be blind, and many piano tuners are. We'll speak with Deavald van Deventer, a blind piano technician living in South Africa, about his musical background and training, as well as the ins and outs of his daily work traveling among several neighboring towns, tuning and repairing pianos. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Devald van Deventer. If you want to learn something or if you're passionate about something, you have to be able to do everything to reach that goal, to obtain it, and not let anybody stop you. <clears throat> when I wanted to really learn to tune pianos, there was a music teacher of mine from school who discouraged me and said, no, I should, I should rather teach piano. But I just said, no, I want to learn to tune and repair pianos. And you know, nothing must be able to stop you in reaching your own goals. So don't take no for an answer. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Devald and learning about his musical background. My name is Devald van Deventer and I live in South Africa. I am a musician and piano tuner technician. And I love making music and um, well, recently uh, started my own business here in South Africa. I say recently, but it was several years ago. And I have a lot of different things I like to do, writing music, uh, not composing, but mostly just rearranging, recording music, playing different instruments, experimenting with different instruments and also just um, I love my job I love tuning and repairing pianos meeting new piano technicians and sharing information so mostly we'll be talking about your experiences tuning and repairing pianos but you mentioned that you play a number of instruments what are your primary instruments piano is my first instrument uh, the one I learned just after I got blind when I was about uh, 12 years old, I started learning to play the piano and continued with it throughout university. At the university, I also learned to play organ. But in the meantime, I also um, played penny whistle and violin. And these days I play cello and clarinet and also a bit of saxophone here and there. So, yeah. You're like an entire orchestra. <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> did you study music at university? Yes. I did my um, rights after school. I went to university with the help of a bursary. And I just continued to study when I completed my honors degree. 
I know in the US they don't have an honors degree, but um, you get your bachelor's and then uh, before you do your master's, you get an honors degree, which is an extra year or two. And are you totally blind or do you have some usable vision? Yes, I'm totally blind. At the age of 10, I uh, did brain tumor surgery and they completely removed the tumor and had to cut my optic nerves. Sounds like you're lucky to be alive. Yeah. (laughs) Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is tuning and repairing pianos and how it is possible to do it successfully, whether or not you have any vision. Well, you told us in the beginning that you were a piano technician. And for people who aren't familiar with that, that just think you tune pianos, tell us what a piano technician really does. So, yeah, a piano technician um, isn't only a, a piano tuner, like you said, it's um, it's more involved. Uh, you have to diagnose what is wrong and how to fix it. So it could be, for example, if you have a sticky key, you have to diagnose, is it the key itself? Is it the, the whip and the part goes, that goes between the key and the hammer? Could it be the hammer or the damper or you know, whatever. Um, It could be a number of things. (laughs) So many people might know that a full-size piano has 88 keys, but you just listed a whole bunch of parts for each key. How many parts do you figure there are per key? It could be, well, if you count every single small little part, it's hundreds. Uh, (laughs) Because you could be, picky and divide the key up into several parts like the key top and the key and the mortises and the key button and the capstan that's only the key and then the key leads as well and then this there are just too many to count almost and what a lot of people don't realize is that for each key it's not just one string that the key hits right yep that's right there's sometimes like two or three. In the middle part of the piano, you get three strings. But when you go toward the bass section, you get two strings per key, and then you get one string per key in the lower octave. And then about C3 upward, you get three strings per key. In the introduction, you told us a bit about your training and learning to play all these various instruments. That's a very different skill than repairing pianos. How did you get interested in repairing pianos? Well, I didn't think of myself as being very you know, mechanical, but I, I did like to you know, unscrew my tape recorders and stuff like that <laughs> when I was still at school. Uh, trying to fix things myself, but I wanted to know how to to do the certain repairs, not only tuning, because you will come across certain jobs which a customer wants you to do, and then you just have to learn how to do it. And even now, I'm still learning how to do certain things. You keep on learning. You never stop learning. So 
even if it's high high level maintenance of a piano or regulation uh, or he gets different kinds of pianos the more expensive the piano gets the more difficult it becomes to and and also the high level demand you get from each concert pianist that they don't want the touch to be this way or they want the piano to sound that way if you have to adjust the whole time so you enjoyed this mechanical workmanship and getting into objects and taking them apart and putting them together i guess yeah well um two years ago actually a friend of ours asked me if i could fix a clock a mental clock well i i said to her well i'll try you know <laughs> but uh i just opened the back door and i adjusted the time and i said to myself well this clock is actually losing time a bit so i actually want to to see what I can do adjusting the timing and I end up um, messing it up a bit <laughs> so I ended up taking it to the man that repairs clocks <laughs> well that's one way of repairing a clock is to yeah. take it to someone else who knows how <laughs> yeah now a lot of piano technicians happen to be blind this sounds like a very complex instrument to learn how to fix and repair where do you learn those skills so there are a, a few places you could probably learn um the thing is when i wanted to learn to tune and repair pianos everybody was uh busy with their own you know businesses tuning and fixing pianos and no one had time to teach me so i just uh, went online and looked for schools overseas to where I could train. And uh, I know you already did a podcast about Don and Jeff and the piano hospital. Actually, while you did the podcast with them, I was actually there in America <laughs> training with them. And they were in Seattle, right? Uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. Vancouver, Washington. Close. Yes, close. <laughs> so that school was the only school for the blind and visually impaired to go learn. But unfortunately, they had to close down a few years ago. So the only thing these days is to try and get into a school, whether it's just mainstream you know, schools, or else uh, find someone who could just mentor you, uh, or like an apprenticeship. Well, that's unfortunate. That has to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Are there any special tools that you use as a blind piano technician that a sighted piano technician would not use? Well, we have different ways of doing things. For, for example, excited technicians would do things uh, a specific way, for example, regulate a piano. And um, we have special ways of doing things. I don't think there's a special tool and unless you want to count like measuring tools which I use in a workshop to measure things when I, while I'm busy regulating. I would measure the space between the hammers and the strings. So that would be about um, one and seven eighths of an inch. And so by the way, I had to learn <laughs> to completely think in inches while I was at the school. Uh, until I went to the over to the US, I, I think I, I was thinking in, in metric, you know. But once I joined the school, I had to think in inches. 
Oh, that's too bad. The U.S. unfortunately never made the change to metric as they should have many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean to regulate a piano? Okay, so um, you get tuning, which you adjust the tuning pins, and then you get uh, regulation, which is to do with the keys and the playing mechanism of the piano. So you get different screws for each key to make it play better. And that doesn't only include screws, but it's, it's when you change a felt under the key, you get these felt washers, we call felt punchings or paper punchings, which you can replace under the key to raise and to lower the key. And um, you get screws in the playing mechanism, which we just call the action to adjust the different parts of the of the action basically um so this could be very complicated it varies from upright to grand pianos and also different designs and different manufacturers use different kinds of designs and whatever it's very complicated so basically if you properly regulate a piano when you're done the feel of each key in order to get the same kind of sound out of the piano is similar. Yeah. So the final goal is for each key to feel the same, to have the same touch. You said there's very little difference between being a blind piano technician and a sighted piano technician, but I would think one extra challenge that you have is getting yourself to each of the pianos because people aren't going to bring their pianos to you. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. You have to struggle with a few things starting off your business, wherever you want to start, wherever you are located. So step one is basically you know, getting your name out there and your number and your email address and your website if you if you have one by that time. But the next step is that customers are going to call you. And, well, that when they start calling you, then you have to get to them. So that's one thing that I have to deal with is getting a driver that drives you around. And um, that could be tricky to get because you have, you want someone who could assist you from the car who's you have to interview them and and their driving skills and then they have to assist you also and i also look out for somebody who's also interested in pianos who could be a, a possible assistant in the future and helping me in the workshop even so do you have a dedicated driver that you use just for yourself that sounds like a lot of overhead um, it could be, yeah. Um, I used to have one that used to drive me around every day, but at the moment I have my wife driving me around. Oh, that works. Yeah, I'm very fortunate in that area. And then you also sometimes work in other cities besides your hometown? Yeah, some people just stay in one location and work in that town or that area, but I tend to travel around quite a lot. I try to help as many people as I can. Uh, so I travel a lot to different provinces and stay over at one place for a week and then go back home. And then maybe next month or in two weeks' time, I would travel again to another town. And it all starts out by only having one or two customers, especially like music teachers, 
spreading the word with like 20 to 40 pianos <laughs> to tune in that town and then you're set you know then you from there it just spreads and then you can have many customers to come in the years after so yeah so i understand you're also very active in the local organization of piano tuners and technicians including you developed their website yes we have a association for uh, piano tuners here in South Africa, and I'm the secretary at the moment. Uh, we're a very small group. We're about 11 or 12 members. We're very small. So uh, we just had our AGM the other day and choosing the new committee. And we have a, uh, we, we're not trying to be like anyone, anyone else. I'm also a, a registered piano technician uh, at the PTG, the Piano Technicians Guild of the USA. Just before I came back to South Africa, I did my exams and I luckily I passed them all. But uh, so I'm a member of them. The, there are many benefits to being a member of the guild, but we're try, still trying to find a way to increase the, the benefits <laughs> of becoming a member here in South Africa um, of this association because we are spread out. but we don't have the same capacity as, as the PTG has in America. <laughs> I'm curious what the reaction is of the customers when the piano tuner shows up and they're blind. Do you tell people ahead of time? Actually, no, I don't. <laughs> but lots of people call me or um, send me a message and they say, I have this piano and I want to sell it or I want to have it fixed, can I send you some photos? I just normally say, yeah, sure, send them. <laughs> <laughs> because usually my wife can look at the piano for me and tell me if it's worthwhile fixing or, or not. And what I also tell the customer is to send me like a, a video clip or a voice clip where they can just play all the keys from left to right. So I can just hear in what condition the piano is without me going out there at least you can show up with the right tools if you have an assessment of what's wrong with the piano before you go out there. I normally carry my tools all the time. So I, I have most what I need. But for example, if I need a specific kind of material or some other like straps or something uh, for those in the action, then I know. And I always have strings with me, so a wire, a piano wire, so I can always replace strings. But if there's a bass string broken, then I have to send it off to someone who can duplicate it. But um, I always carry my tools in my car wherever I go, so I'm, I'm ready to work on piano, whatever is needed. Is your wife also a musician? We play together in church. She does play piano, and she... She would love to play. I, I teach her to play clarinet. I'm busy teaching her to play a clarinet at the moment. So she likes to play different instruments as well, yeah. That must be fun playing together. Pete always wanted me to learn an instrument so we could play together, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I'm curious, with all the instruments that you play and being blind, how do you read new music and scores? So sometimes I download a score from MuseScore, the score that I try to learn uh, for, for piano or cello or clarinet or whatever. 
and I can import it directly into MuseScore and read it that way. And for people who don't know, MuseScore is a program that is very accessible to people who are visually impaired. We did an episode on that recently. And with that program, you can create entire musical scores and read them back. Yes, actually. Once you get to know how it works, you can actually do a lot with it. Um, I've also experimented uh, writing scores in it, and, uh, but mostly just reviewing scores. It's also got a function now to export it in Braille if you really, if you want to. Nice. And then you were going to say there's other methods you use for reading music? I've recently come across another app called PlayScore 2 on the App Store. It's not really accessible, but you can scan in a sheet of music. For example, if you have a book of music in front of you that you can't read, you just open the book in front of you and just point the phone's camera at the book and it'll immediately do an OCR uh, scanning and then immediately starting to play the music that it sees. So um, we've tried it with my clarinet grade four pieces that I have to learn, not for exams or anything, but just for fun. Uh, and then it scans the music and then it plays it. It needs a high resolution camera to scan the music and you have to have all the notes in view. And then also has the feature to export in XML. And then I can just import that XML file right into MuseCore and you can just listen to it that way. You can transpose it, whatever you want to do with it. Oh, that's great. Were those accessible tools available when you were going through your music education at university? Unfortunately not. We had to do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> when I went to university, my lecture was the only lecture in that, at that time that was able to help me and willing to help me. And so I told him about Braille music, and then he said, no, uh, we won't be able to deal with it uh, So because we have to order the scores and it won't be able to arrive in, t in time. And he has to, you know how music lectures are sometimes, they have to, they want their own arrangement of the music, not any kind of arrangement, but they want a specific version of it. Right. And so... We had to learn it by ear, basically. He, has, he sat at his piano, and I sat at my piano in his room. And uh, we basically learned it that way. We, he, played me a, he played a phrase on his piano for the right hand, and I had to repeat it. And then he went to the left hand, played a, a bar or two in there, and then I repeated, uh, copied him, basically. It was basically like a, you know, a copy game <laughs> yeah which we played and i had to memorize it as we went along and only in my third year or fourth year <laughs> um, we started recording what he did so i i would be able to go back and uh just refresh my memory before the class began yeah wow that is a lot of work when I was young, I had sufficient vision that I could read the scores if my nose was right up against the paper virtually, but that meant I couldn't play and read at the same time. So I essentially had to memorize my music measure by measure, and I was classically trained. There's a lot of notes in those pieces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I found that 
by time I learned the notes and had it all memorized, I was kind of sick of the piece. But that was the time when you were ready to start making music out of it as opposed to just notes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're just learning the notes. And then, you know, afterwards, they want you to learn to add the the phrasing and the dynamics and the uh, stuff like that <laughs> to make it more sound like more more like music and uh, by that time it's it's already built into your memory well later in life i gravitated towards jazz cuz i had a good music theory background and then you could put together your own arrangements and you could improvise on the right hand so that was my salvation maybe you should te- teach me some jazz <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about happy pianos and how to contact Dewald van Deventer. Anyway, Dewald, if um, people want to know more about your group of musicians in South Africa or contact you, how would they do that? They can contact me on my website. I have a website called happy-pianos.com. They can find my contact information there. They can email me directly if they want to at um, D-E-W-A-L-D, it's D-E-W-A-L-D, piano tuner, that's P-I-A-N-O-T-U-N-E-R, at gmail.com. By the way, I love the name of your business because you take <laughs> pianos that maybe aren't sounding so good and when you're done, they sound happy and I'm sure they are happy if you can ascribe emotions to a piano and I, I think it's just a great name for a business. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you just finished working on the piano. Sometimes the piano's in a horrible state and they sometimes call me the miracle worker because <laughs> sometimes it, it takes a real miracle to get that piano ready to to be played um and then the customers are just so happy to be able to play on the piano again and then i say well if you're happy i'm happy and then the piano is also happy (laughs) yeah and do you have a social media presence yeah they can go to my facebook page i it's facebook.com forward slash happy pianos one word or else they can search for me on Facebook. It's but it's a little bit more complicated. It's Diewald Lawrence van Deventer. That's my full name. And as usual, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode, which is episode 2326, at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. And in those show notes, we'll also have links to two previous episodes where we talked about the music notation software Muse score, if you're interested in writing down your own compositions or sharing compositions with others, and also an episode in which we talked about how people who are blind learn to tune pianos and repair them. That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about preparing for employment with Clusive. Clusive offers a screen reader friendly online training program aimed at providing blind clients with the skills to find meaningful employment. We'll talk with Tamer Zaid, who recently went through the program, about how the program works, the courses he took, and how the skills he learned helped prepare him for the workforce. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to catch you again next week. 
You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.